Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. It is the show where conversations save lives. HopeNet Radio, Jeff and DW with you tonight. Join the conversation right now. Our tweetback is live right now at HopeNet360.com slash tweetback. All you need is a Twitter account. You can jump on there and tweet at us. You can use the hashtag HNRTB, and we would love for you to be a part of the conversation tonight. And joining us in studio again is the wonderful Tara Kay and Jason. Hey. Guys, welcome to the show again. It's good to have you. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, it's always fun having you guys. And Tara, if you haven't heard already, Tara is the outreach director at Damascus Road. And you can check out their website at damascusroadproject.org. So she is a fantastic warrior when it comes to human trafficking awareness. What do you guys do at Damascus Road? We do a lot of education and prevention training. So we um, go to churches, schools, community groups, and we talk about our experiences working, I worked in Las Vegas for a while and had done outreaches at the Super Bowl. So we talk about this subculture that exists of, of human trafficking and what we call the life and how it really exists in every city and town, but we just don't see it in plain sight. And we teach young people, especially because um, when it, you break it down, human trafficking is forced prostitution and sexual exploitation. And that happens a lot, but we don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what's really great about being able to be on the show is because we don't really talk about it a lot, and we need to. I mean, the whole theme of the show is conversation save lives, and there's a lot of things that people often ask, how does somebody get involved in this? And a lot of um, precursors to being involved in this is that they had some kind of thing that happened in their family, whether it was um, sexual abuse or um, just being alienated at school or low self-esteem. So a lot of things that we talk about on the show have to deal with things that might have happened in somebody's life that could eventually lead them to being vulnerable and being susceptible to the promises of somebody who doesn't really have their best interest at mind and is looking to exploit them. Yeah, and we talk about the deeper issues, the spiritual issues that are going on maybe in those young people's lives or even in the parents' lives and what brings people to those points of of making choices that really affect someone else's future for a long time. And rumor has it, you're going back to the Super Bowl this year. I am. I'm really excited. I just found out. So we'll be there. Um, my ministry partner and I, Lisa, we're going to be working with another great organization um, in Arizona for about two weeks. And we're going to be um, training in hotels, talking to hotels and and those in that type of hospitality industry about what to look for mm-hmm. when all these guests come in their hotels because just like the, I mean, we all watch the Super Bowl and we think commercials or we think, okay, the game or what am I going to eat during the game? But yeah. it's a big business too. And traffickers will bring girls that they've recruited from across the country and actually recruit girls specifically to bring to the Super Bowl because there's such a high demand. Anywhere mm-hmm. people are going to have a party, have a good time there's going to be an increase in exploitation. So we're going there to help um, educate hotels in the community there about what they can do to help um, stop this from happening in their establishments and in their community. Wow, that's awesome. It's interesting. She talked about, you know, in the beginning, conversations save lives, and, and that's what she's working on, and that's true. I mean, when you look at the NFL even today, you begin to see that there's all kinds of things that have been going on that haven't been talked about and they need to be talked about. All of a sudden, they become something that's in public, and it becomes a disaster. It, it is really best to talk about the things that aren't working well quietly and to make sure that you're, in other words, quietly talking to people that can actually help you and be a part of your life. I really hope that all of those NFL players, I hope that all of them are having somebody in their life to help them right now. 
abuse of any kind is wrong, and we can we can all agree to, you know, whatever the abuse might be would be wrong, no matter how you use people, no matter how you disguise using people, that would be wrong according to what God says. But I hope that we understand that the goal in life is not punishment. The goal in life is restoration. Yeah. And, and that's what we need to work towards. And if somebody refuses restoration, if they refuse that, then punishment is the only option or isolation or something else like that. But the first goal should be that. And, and you know, and, and that's what I think uh, we really need to talk about, Jeff, is the idea of what is it that stops people from these conversations that were really helped to heal them? Um, you know, is it, are they not broken? Are they not thinking right? Are they not? I mean, what, what does it take to get somebody to actually start talking to somebody else about what's not working, what's not well, so that they can actually get well? Well, I mean, when you look at, if you look at a 12 step program, the first step is always recognizing that I have a problem, admitting I have a problem, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think that goes along with, you know, we touched on this in previous weeks is this whole idea of pride. You know, I think one of the biggest hindrances in us, you know, trying to talk with others and open up conversations is that fear of what will happen when we open up our mouths, whether it's fear of the way that people look at us, whether it's fear of, you know, am I the only one dealing with this? But a lot of times, as soon as we can get over that that first step, you know, almost like you're talking about, you know, that first step of acknowledging the fact that we have a problem. So that- what are we doing? Pretending? I mean, we're going through life pretending that everything's cool when everything's a wreck because... We think everyone else thinks everything is cool or they're pretending to, so we don't want to be the only one that's a wreck? Absolutely. I think that that's exactly it. You know, I think we want to put on this facade as if everything's okay because we see everybody else as okay and having yeah. fun. And so we want to do the same thing. Yeah, well, it's a pattern, I think, in families. I mean, if you look at it, what happens a lot of times is moms and dads want to make sure that everything's portrayed right. Their child is the smartest, the brightest, the most athletic, the most loving, the most kind, the most obedient. And, and they want to be the best parents and that kind of thing. And, and they, you know, it's like the leave it to beaver syndrome. You know, they want, they want to make sure that everything works well and they have this little uh, idea of what it, what it should look like. And even in churches and in schools and in different places, we all know the acceptable behavior. And so they, they make sure that's portrayed. But behind the scenes, it could be an absolute wreck. And, and yet they don't want to talk to anyone about it. I mean, if, if somebody's listening today and they're thinking, you know, as we've talked uh, so much about, if, if they're thinking, boy, my life is worthless, I don't like myself, I think I'm not uh, belonging in this world, um, these people hurt me, they need to talk to somebody who could actually care for them and say, look, here's things in my life that aren't working. I would like to discuss what they are and see if we can't find a solution for them. You know, it seems like that's not, you know, rocket science or anything, but that's a very important step to be able to thrive in life instead of just survive in life. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things, and we, we, when you talk about the Super Bowl, you talk about professional athletes and, and that there's just, there's overall, there's this really, and, and I'm not saying there can't be positive pride at all in our life, you know, taking pride in our appearance maybe, uh, in maybe just, you know, our attitude, but there's definitely a hazardous form of pride that many of us are all susceptible to. And, and really what pride is, is it's just, it comes down to self-worship, thinking that I am a God or I am God in itself. And it, 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 it'll fall apart when you look at it from a logical standpoint, but we, we end up deceiving ourselves. We allow ourselves to be deceived on a minute to minute basis that I'm okay. You know, I don't, I don't need God. There are many people that will profess today. I don't need God. God is a fairy tale to me. It, 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 he doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I could be anybody that I want to be. I can do anything I want to do. And when you look at a professional athlete, a lot of us think, wow, they just have it made. They have it all together. And then all of a sudden you see the headlines and you're like, why are they doing all this evil yeah. stuff? You know, I don't understand this. I think that the word pride is misunderstood even. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because a lot of times they say, you know, your parents might say, take pride in your appearance or whatever. Really, it, the word responsibility is different than pride, but we kind of interchange them. Oh. In other words, I should keep my room clean. I should do my homework. I should comb my hair. Why? I'm not looking at me. I need to be responsible to take care of what I've got. That's responsibility. Pride is something else that we're dealing with, and, and hopefully we can make those lines clear as we talk. Yeah, and that's the point of the show. Conversations will save lives, and we're going to talk a little bit more about pride and talk about some other deep things that are going on maybe in your heart. If there's something going on tonight and you need someone to talk to, there's a live coach standing by right now at HopeNet360.com. Just click on the Talk to a Live Coach button, and they'd be glad to chat with you about literally whatever's going on in your life. So you can be a young person, teenager, young adult, even a parent. You can log in and, and chat, and uh, they're there standing by 
by for you. Also, our tweetback is going on right now. You can connect with us there and share your thoughts. What does it mean to be prideful? And what do you think about all these things that are happening in the NFL today? And uh, we'd love to know your thoughts on the tweetback. Use the hashtag HNRTB. We're going to take a break here on the show, play some music. Keep it locked in here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Dave, when we're talking about pride and we're talking about taking pride in ourselves, you brought up a really good point here in the last segment. Talking about responsibility versus pride, is is either one of those interchangeable? Well, I, you know what? In the English language is kind of funny. Sometimes we don't know what anybody's talking about when they speak because they have their own definitions. Uh, so I want to encourage our listeners, you know, if, if you want to know what God says in the Bible, go look at what he says and de- let him define it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even earlier you were talking about email addresses and you're making fun of, the, of spam. Now, we all know what spam is, but I think spam is really something made in Minnesota, isn't it? That's good. It's tasty. Yeah. Yeah, see? So <laughs> it, it, if you like spam, if you like spam, this is not a word you want to use. That's true. Yeah. I ran into that when I was in Ireland, you know, because a lot of the normal terminology that you'd use has a different meaning. Yeah. So, for example, pants. You know, here we call, like, jeans, pants, and that sort of stuff. But if you were to say I'm wearing pants over there, they'll look at you kind of weird, like, I hope you're wearing pants, because pants over there refers to underwear. Yeah. You know, so you just got to be careful. Yeah, with they you, wear with skirts things. over there, though. Yeah, they call those kilts. Yeah, yeah. I call them skirts. <laughs> skirts yeah, kilts. see, it's, that's Actually, the way it goes. Yes. I think I might have saw a picture that resembled you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not sure it resembled me too much, but thank you. That, that was nice yeah, of people to post oh, man, a little bit great. of me in a, in a skirt. I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> but when you talk about, res- I don't think those people were responsible who posted that personally. <laughs> and we're talking about what the difference between... Um, responsibility and pride. Responsibility really isn't, um, I need to make sure that my world is portrayed correctly and all of that. That's not responsibility. That's lying. Hmm. Responsibility is taking care of what you do have. So example, I'm married and been married for 34 years. I have a responsibility to make sure that my wife is cared for to make sure that she can be the best woman she can be. I, see, I have responsibility. Yeah. Now I could be prideful, And if it turns to pridefulness, what happens is instead of me looking for ways to make her successful, I look for ways to make me dominant. Mm. See, that's different. Yeah. Um, And and I don't know. I was talking to one lady who was abused, uh, abused by several men, and she is now out of that pattern, and and she actually attends our church, and and some great things are going on in her life. But one of the things she told me was, as as I talked to her about life, um, and really it was a connection through our youth club and... Uh, she said, I have never met a man, uh, and she's talking about the men in church right now that she was going to and getting help from, and not help from in a counseling way or anything else, just in, in conversation or whatever, but she's never met a man that wouldn't just use her. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's terrible. And she said, you know, Dave, she said, the only scripture I ever heard from the men in my life was, you know, wives are be subject to their husbands. And I thought, yeah, that's abusive right there. You see, the, the interesting thing is, is yes, when you look at how God put things together, there is an order to things. And yes, in my home, I should lead. But how you lead is by being one who is responsible. I, I'm responsible then to make sure that I look at my wife and my children, the people I work with, through the lens of how I can make their life the best it can be, not how to take care of me. And all of a sudden, the responsibility is actually humbling. It isn't causing me to be arrogant. And that's what's different. So we need to be responsible people and know what we're responsible for. When we start becoming responsible for things in our head that we can't be responsible for, we get in trouble. For example, if I came to you and said, you know, Jeff, I wanna, I wanna, I'm personally responsible for world peace. And I am just dying because, <laughs> you know, your response could be interesting, but it would be like, well, get over it. I mean, you can't cause world peace. And so I think it's very important that we understand. I need to be responsible, but I need to know what I'm responsible for. And then it's, it's really a very small list. And then be responsible for that. And that's not pride. In fact, it goes against pride. Yeah. Uh, pride is when I start just doing it for me all the time. And I, Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Oh, it makes absolute sense. Um, I'm even thinking of, you know, pride, pride really affects our life in so many different ways. I've, you've probably heard it said that your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness, that you can be so good at something that it can also be your downfall. I mean, I love people, but then there's also a part of me that like, if you're, if you struggle with pride in this sense, if we're talking about pride, then it becomes about me. And so I seek out relationships or I, you know, if I'm the life of the party, it's all about me. It's all about having fun. It's all about the moment I'm in. It's, it's about, I guess, lending off responsibility to somebody else and, and just having a good time. So it depends on your personality, but pride can take a form in, in so many different ways. And so it's really, it's a, I think it's a much bigger conversation to talk about what pride really is and how it actually shows up in your life. There is scripture that's really, it's messed with me for years. James 4 says this scripture that really, it, it's one of those things that doesn't feel right, but you know it's right because it's in the word of God. So it, it says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I mean, that that to me, it just, it wrecks me because I think, man, I've blown it so many times. I've done things that for me, I, I've really just set out and I've wanted to make a way when there wasn't a way. I've tried to force my own way to, to uh, succeed at something. And it sometimes it's worked out. Other times it really hasn't worked out. Ultimately, it, it overall has not really worked out to what I thought it would. It may have worked at the time, but just not as well as it could have. Humility to me is, it's not, it's like a foreign concept. It's something that has to be nurtured and grown over time. It's not just something that you just feel like doing all the time. And Dave, you had some thoughts about Matthew 18. So I'd love for you to just share some of those. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. If you read it, he's talking about lost sheep in a parable in Matthew 18. And he says, see that you don't despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, the angels will always see the face of my father in heaven, which is very interesting. Talking about the humility of a sheep, talking about the lost sheep. Uh, Man, you, you know, when you just look at, at lambs and you look at how hopeless and helpless they are without somebody to guide them, if they think they're bad stuff and they go out there and they start taking on the wolf pack and they start taking on the lions, they lose 100% of the time. Not just a little. They lose 100 no matter what they think about themselves. They could be in the herd. I mean, picture it. Uh, did you see sheep being herded where you were, Jason? I did. They actually helped one time in herding sheep. Okay. <laughs> was that an interesting experience? It was very interesting. Yeah, we're, we're called sheep in the Bible. Yep. And, and what's interesting to me is when you think about us being sheep, man, I could be a really big sheep stud, you know, in the, in the herd. I mean, I could walk around with my little fur uh, bursting everywhere, you know, looking really cool, and then go out there and say, I'll take on this lion, man. What a fool. Yeah. What an absolute fool I would be. And, and what's, it, it's so easy for us to get to that point. And I think God says, I will give grace to the humble. I mean, if I, you know, let's look at it a different way. I'm a lamb, uh, I'm a sheep, and, and all of a sudden there's a wolf out there or, or a coyote or something, and I run to the feet of the shepherd. I'm safe, man, mm-hmm. right there. There's no problem right there. But what, do I, what did I have to do? I had to take that fur that I was bouncing around and, and, and tell everybody how good I was and say, I can't beat this guy. Goodbye. Boom. Over to the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm protected. And, and life is that way. There, there is no difference in how we have to live than that. It's the same thing. And that's what pride, I think. Pride will destroy me. I could take on the lion. You know, there's people listening right now that say, I can do this. I can take this on. I can do this by myself. I don't need to talk to anyone about this. You're wrong. You need the help. Yeah, I mean, those are, Dave, those are some great thoughts. I don't like necessarily being compared to sheep. I mean, if you actually look at sheep, I've never tended sheep, but it, uh, it's not an easy process, is it, guys? No, not at all, especially when you, when you actually see sheep in real life, like over in Ireland, they're actually pretty dumb animals. You know, smelly too. Smelly, very much so. And they're so, needy everywhere. I mean, they they they, they die so easily following yep. each other. Their problem is that they follow, not that they're even dumb, but they follow exactly, and they follow the wrong things. They yep. follow the wrong ones, so they go off a, off a cliff. Yeah, and and for me, it really accentuated that illustration that Jesus uses and how he calls a sheep because sheep by themselves, as you looked at them in real life, are helpless. You know, because they can't you know, do anything by themselves. So you're saying we can't get help until we understand we're helpless? Absolutely. You know, that's a profound point. That's a profound point. That is profound. 
We're right now, we're on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback. Join us right now, hopenet360.com slash tweetback. Or if you're on Twitter, you can use the hashtag HNRTB. Join the conversation. Let us know what kind of sheep you are. If you're one of those uh, mega sheep like Dave is, or I don't know, I feel like I want to just get on Photoshop right now and find a sheep and find your face and make you into a... <laughs> wearing a kilt, too. <laughs> wearing a kilt. Ah, a this is great. wearing a kilt. All right, watch for that right now on the HopeNet Radio Tweetback. We're going to be back here with more here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. The Tweetback is on right now. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We've been talking about pride. Guys, in our culture, in our Western mindset, we have a problem with pride. I, I think it's a... When we talk about this epidemic with Ebola and it's spreading like a wildfire and we can't control it, pride is also very much pervasive, especially in our American culture. We are such a prideful people and not a not a pride like we take care of our Bentleys or we take care of all these things. It's the fact that maybe you own a Bentley or you own a Mercedes or you own you know so many yachts or houses or whatever that we take pride in ourselves. This whole problem within ourselves that we get so focused on ourself that it damages everything else around us and yet we think that's the key to success is having a prideful attitude a prideful heart am i just disillusioned or is this a reality do you guys think you know it's it's, it's hard it's really hard to come out of one of those things because i'll tell you what if if i went and said i'm going to buy a, a yacht okay and i'm going to buy a you know three hundred thousand dollar yacht you know what i'm going to do i'm going to make sure that everybody understands that i did that for a good reason and for somebody else and make it look like I really did that in some other way. But maybe I really didn't. Maybe I did it because I want people to know how successful I am. <laughs> and I want the comfort of that. But I need to, I would feel guilty. So I try and remove my guilt by making it about something else. And we could put anything in there. Maybe I, you know, whatever I do in life. I, I think it's hard to really recognize in our life the real issue. And, and the real issue is we become the center of our universe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're not. God is. And when that happens, I don't care what you're doing. If, if it's disguised well or whatever, the fruit of that is really hopelessness or despair. And if somebody in the private moments of their life that's listening is feeling hopeless and they're feeling uh, de- you know, despair coming on and, and that kind of thing, they need to go to HopeNet360.com, talk to a live coach there, and they need to talk to a, a, an older Christian friend and just start talking to them about what they're actually doing in life and get this thing straightened out. I think a lot of young men, Jason, struggle with this as well as when we try to break out and we try to find who we are, especially graduating high school, you kind of feel like, yeah, I've graduated high school and going to college and now you're the the new guy on campus kind of a thing. And it, you just get this mindset that, yeah, I'm I'm invincible. I'm unstoppable. And I think those years 18 to 24 are really they're just really a vulnerable time for a lot of guys and they won't admit it. But it's one of those make it or break it, it feels like. And, and there's kind of this sense of maybe entitlement, but also just some invincibility. What was your experience when you kind of made that transition into adulthood? I, I went off to college, to a four-year uh, college, and, you know, you move into the dorms and you start interacting with other people your age. And I think you see it all, all the time, you know, because it's a time in life where you're trying to define who you are. And even as Dave was just talking about you know, how we have this this misconception of, of, of even our own pride, because I think sometimes we try to justify our actions so much that sometimes we do it so well that we don't see the fact that we're prideful, you know. And, and during that time span, you know, especially for guys, one of the things that we do is we, we want to make sure that we look like we're composed, we look like we have things under control, and, and that, you know, almost like we talked about earlier in the show where we put on this perception where everything's fine. And with guys, we don't like to talk about things, and so for, for us, it comes to the point where everything on the outside looks like we're doing well, but when you actually sit down and have a real conversation with somebody, and, and I had a great opportunity to do that uh, one of the years when I was a, a, an RA on our dorm hall, so I was in charge of the guy's dorm hall, and really I had the opportunity to sit down and be intentional and have some conversations, and that's when you realize, you know what, these, these guys don't have it all figured out. And, and that's where, you know, this is a show that talks about conversations, and that's why conversations are so important, because once you start talking about it, all of a sudden you realize how prideful you are and how not together you have it, and that's where that humility comes in, and that's where you realize, all right, God, I really want to change this, and that's where the genuineness comes from. 
And, and, and that's a great opportunity then for God to speak into our lives and to even speak into somebody else's lives. So you actually saw uh, other students in the dorm. They, they were um, in the public acting like everything was cool. Yeah. But oh, when yeah. they talked to you um, and they actually opened up, they were a wreck and they were trying to figure out how to reconcile this or how to continue to pretend or actually come up with answers. I mean, you, what, what were they talking to you about? Yeah, I mean, just different issues. You know, you think um, even different sin issues, you think, oh, everybody else deals with that, you know. But yeah. it, it's so quick to, quick to point it out in somebody else's life rather than your own life. But the reality is, is a lot of us deal with the same things, and we just need to start talking about it. But that's the hard part. Tara, I'd like to know your thoughts from a girl's perspective. You know, we're talking about guys and in, in our struggling with pride. Does, does pride impact women's lives too? Or is it just that you maybe more notice it in guys like what it as we're talking tonight what are some of your thoughts that are kind of going through your head the answer is yes <laughs> um definitely girls deal with pride um maybe in different ways but i think it's just any young person in our culture it's just what is growing up we often teach or even in school it's just kind of taught and in our families take pride in what you do but then also the american dream this kind of idea that almost in an entitlement i guess is a good word for it because i know i felt that way like i just people always tell you you can do anything you want to do and i don't know that statement is it's a loaded statement because it's so generic maybe or so general that it can maybe create a sense of entitlement you can do anything you want to do but yet you feel like, well, then I'm entitled to that. And not everybody has those opportunities, really. I work with a lot of women who have come from um, maybe an impoverished upbringing and they don't have all the same opportunities. And they see that very differently. The The word pride itself can often seem like it's easy to not even recognize it in your own life. I think that's definitely been true for me in times where... I know this is a, a kind of an issue with some of the women that I work with because uh, we often talk about um, a victim will not self-identify, meaning that it's very difficult for a person to label themselves as a victim. And in the situation that happened to me, I know that was very much true. It took quite a while for me to even realize that I was a victim because it made me feel vulnerable. It made me feel like, wait, I didn't have it all together. Even when you look at, you can easily see some of the lives that um, of the women that are going through um, sexual exploitation or sexual abuse, even at home or, or domestic abuse. And you can, anybody on the outside can clearly see there's a problem, but they will continuously say that they're okay or mm-hmm. rationalize it away. And it's, we don't think of that as being a pride issue, but it still is because they still want to make it seem like it's okay. I have it all together and that's why they don't get help. Or maybe they go seek help at first, but don't continue to get help because they don't want to admit that, um, that they need help or that they were a victim or that they were vulnerable. And in that process were victimized. Really what it comes down to is this whole issue with pride And the reason we're talking about it is because we spend so much time in our lives making ourselves look good, like everything is okay, you know, that I have it all together. And the reality is is this pride, it just, it blinds us to reality. It really does. It blinds us to reality to our friends. It, It blinds us to the reality of our relationships, maybe a marriage relationship. It blinds us to things that are going on in our workplace. There are some that are just so proud they don't even see the fact that their business is floundering and it's, it's on the brink of bankruptcy. I mean, pride just, it overall, it just blinds us because again, it takes the focus and it puts it on the self and saying, I am basically, I am God. I am in control. And I think the reality is, is there are so many people who get down to that that place of quiet desperation where they have nothing left and this pride is masked for so long they feel like nobody else is seeing it because they're really good at masking it and hiding it. And the fact is, is that everybody sees it. And the reality is, is you're just not open to someone yeah. actually talking to you about this problem that you have. And it leads you to a point where you feel yeah. overall just utterly hopeless. I think I even with the term pride, I would even maybe ch- in some si- certain circumstances change it to a false sense of humility. Yeah. Because you're saying, no, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. I, I don't really need any help. Yeah. It can be that too. Dave, what are your thoughts? You know, what's even, even more interesting to me is when we focus on others, 
what we see is not real often because they're pretending mm -hmm. and we're comparing their pretend to our reality. And, mm -hmm. and then we get miserable. The reality is everybody's sinful. Everybody's in the same boat. And that begins to humble us. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to compare their pretend, what they come across as their pretend world with the reality in our lives, we might end up very depressed. Yeah. Because it's all a game out there and it's all surface and we need to have conversations that are real and say, here's how I really feel. And you'll find that the person you're talking to has gone through the same thing mm -hmm. in a different way, maybe, but the same Definitely. thing. Yeah. So in the second half of HopeNet Radio, we're going to talk about God's plan after this. See, the reality is, is that, you know, when God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, God actually will help you get to that point of being humble to where you're not rejected by God, but that your heart becomes right. So we're going to talk more about this idea of brokenness and more when we come back here on the show. Remember, there are live coaches standing by right now at HopeNet360.com if you want to chat with one of them right now. Also, the Tweetback is on now until 10 p.m. Central Time. So visit HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. Join the conversation. We're going to take a break here on the show. We'll be back with the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight, Jason and Tara Kay, are in studio with us, and we would love for you to join us right now in the HopeNet Radio Tweetback. Go to HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback, and it's just like it sounds, Tweetback, or as Dave and Jason put it. Tweet, 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 tweet. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Right on cue. Anyway, our conversation's been a little bit heavy tonight. We've been talking about the reality, and we've we've seen... Some of the fruits of this, I think we see fruits of pride every single day. We see it in the NFL. We were talking about NFL, and, and Tara, you're going to be going back to the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is like the epitome. I mean, it's, it, is the, like, it is the game to be at. I don't know how a stadium can contain all the pride that's in one place at one time, you know, with all, whether it's fans, whether it's, you know, you talk about human trafficking that goes on there. I mean, there is just so much. It's all about me. The sense of it's all about me. It's all on the line. And, you know, tonight... The players will go out. They're going to go out and play this well game, and it's not for a few months. We're still rooting for the Packers, and and uh, you know, go Bears. I don't, I don't know, Jason. You're you're stuck on something down there. All I got to say is a scoreboard. At least you know <laughs> we didn't lose the Lions. No, no. oh, that was a terrible game, terrible game. But so, we didn't do as bad Bears, as we did with the Bills. Bears should not lose to Lions in general. All I could say is this, <laughs> Tara, when you're at the Super Bowl, wave high to the Bears for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all I gotta say. He'd, she'd be waving bye bye. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nah, nah, nah. Anyway, mm -hmm. hey, yeah. we're here on the show. Chat with us at hopenet360.com slash tweetback. I'll tell you what, Jason. If the Bears make it to the Super Bowl and win, I will eat a peep on air. Eat a whole yeah. package of peeps. A whole peep. A whole package of peeps. No, I, you'd have to have an ambulance sitting a out there. A peep eating but contest. I, I would, I a, no, I would have a peep. I would eat a pink peep. Pink. Okay. Which would just go against everything in my fiber. Deal. All right. Deal. And, but, I, will, and I will video it and tweet it all right. because it's going to happen. And if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, then you have to abstain from peeps for a year. Well, that's easy because I don't like he peeps. He doesn't like peeps. He doesn't like, I like peeps. peeps. Deal. 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 He said it. Deal. <laughs> deal. Well, let's, let's change this deal. Let's change this deal. I said something out of ignorance there. I thought you liked peeps. So if the Packers are in it, you have to eat a peep. Deal. I right. need a peep. Right. So one of us, if the Packers are in or the Bears are in, we're eating peeps. We're eating if peeps. not, we might be rooting against both of them to get to <laughs> the Super Bowl then. In which case then. We don't. No. Then Jeff has to eat a peep. Jeff has to eat a peep. <laughs> yeah. All I'm doing. Somebody's going to eat a peep around here. All I'm doing is just I'm collecting Google images of Dave Wager, sheep, peeps, kilts. Yeah. yeah. And no, uh, I, I, there's yet, no good images there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Photoshop when you, will when make you blur all those together, it's pretty sick. Actually, <laughs> it's probably more accurate than it should be, and it's sick. Oh my goodness! <laughs> hey guys, uh, is, is there any hope if we've been struggling with pride? I just I think of all the times where I've just done some really dumb things because I stepped out and I went out on my own thinking that I could do it better than God could do it. I could do it better than anybody could do it. And you get to the point where eventually you crash and burn 
and maybe it's been really painful. Maybe you've been at a point where you realized, man, I did so many stupid, I mean, so many dumb decisions. I did things that were so out of place and out of character, and now I don't know what to do. I'm in a place where all I can do is look up. I feel like I've hit rock bottom, and and that's I think that's the fruit of all pride. I really do. And guys, I, I wonder what your thoughts were as, as we're talking about this. Is there any hope for someone who has been really just struggling with pride and who has been for years just a really prideful person? Oh, it, of course there is. You know, I mean, one of the things that we need to do is realize that everybody in the world that you look at, look at somebody right now, and, and they are somebody who is sinful and needing help. And, and no matter how they portray themselves, there are, there are quiet moments of desperation in their lives. And that's what we're trying to say you need to talk about because when you realize other people are there and God is there and he wants to talk to you about it and talk you through it, this life that we live, as we talked about last week, is, is not the only game in town. This is a forever thing that we're doing here. And this is just a very small part of it. I mean, we go through lives. There are times that God can humble us. I remember I was playing football in college and I was going against a guy named Caesar and I was a freshman. And this guy actually, I think, played for San Francisco. Uh, after this year and he was a big offensive tackle and I was a freshman and I was playing offensive tackle I was only 200 pounds I mean defensive tackle I was only 200 pounds our team was very small Mm. and 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 I remember conveniently everybody who was had a brain cell was hurt that game to go against him because I mean this guy was a monster six foot um I think it was six eight three hundred pounds and he looked like he was chiseled, you know, and here I am, 200 pounds. So he's 80 pounds more than me and actually knows how to play. And he's a senior and I'm a freshman. And I'm telling you, before the game, I was so, I mean, I, I believe the lie, man. I went in there saying, oh, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I will teach this guy a lesson. I, 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 I. Mm. Very first play of the game, this guy picked me up and threw me down on my face and stepped on me and walked back to the huddle. You know, the second play of the game, I said, oh, man, you're in trouble. And I ran into him, and and my head ran into his belly, and he just picked me up, which is illegal. And he picked me up, and my legs were kind of flailing, and he just ran down the field with me. You know, I'm thinking, this is going to be a long day. I remember at halftime, I looked at my coaches, and I said, you know, what do I do? And both of them looked at me and said, just make it to the end, man. Just make it to the end. And I thought, that's not giving me any hope yeah. right there. <laughs> this guy for 60 minutes beat on me. I mean, he just had a ball beating on me. If anyone you know wants to see a very sad film, you can go to Wheaton College and figure out what year that was. And, and that's sad. Um, however. Did they have film back in those oh, days? Oh, they did. They did. Yeah. Uh, eight, eight millimeter, probably. Yeah, it's black and white. Uh, yeah. But you know, what, you know what's interesting? God has a way when we start thinking we're something. You know, to really show us, here's who you really are. Yeah. And, and, and what we have to do with what we've been talking about here, why you want to talk to somebody is because when you actually open a conversation with God, you tend to say the truth because God, you know, won't lie and he knows the truth. You need to talk with somebody who loves you that's outside of your emotional world a little bit so that they can help you see things clearly. If I were to talk to anyone that was older and I said, I'm going against a senior, he's, he's up for being... Uh, part of the NFL, he's six foot. You know, he's eighty pounds more than me. I was a freshman. I only played one year before this at football. What are my chances? You know, I, I think somebody who is out of that little bubble could have given me better advice than the bigger they are, the harder they fall. <laughs> and, and of course, I, I am going to choose what I want to listen to anyway. You know, and that's what Second uh, Timothy four. I invite our listeners to go to Second Timothy four and read it. That that's what happens. It, 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 Paul says to Timothy, you can teach all you want, but they're going to listen to who they want to listen to. And it's not for us to listen to who we want to listen to. We should be seeking the truth or we cannot find it in ourselves to even humble ourselves. One of the hard realities that I've I've seen, I've been a Christian for many years and I've talked to many different Christians and I've watched many different Christians go through life. And one thing that I've seen over and over is that there are some Christians who, even as the world would say, very prideful, very much thinking that they are better than other people. And that that in itself is pride. And so some of the biggest offenders of this no pride rule that we would have in the Christian faith are Christians. And that's when the world says, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. That's why I don't go to church. I mean, I don't, I don't bother with it, with organized religion because they can't even follow it themselves. If they're preaching it, they should be living it. Right, right. I think the hard part sometimes is that 
oftentimes we look to our culture and we try to, to change the way that we live based on our culture. And our culture is very much a comparison culture. And that just feeds into our pride. You know, we, we look around and we see, you know, so-and-so is doing this, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so, so I'm doing pretty good. And we compare. Mm-hmm. And that just feeds into our pride because even though we're not the best, we're still not as bad as that person. Yeah. And so then we justify it even further. Yeah, it, it's real interesting. We, we, we get jealous and jealousy is, is really when we think about us and what we don't have, and then we get envious, yeah. which is thinking about others and hoping they can't enjoy what they have. And it's really a, a, a sick thing because, you know, first I might look at Jason and go, man, he's young and, and all this stuff, and I could be jealous that I, I'm not as young as that anymore and I can't do what he can do and, and enjoy the things that he might be able to enjoy at his age. However, then I could go and I, and I could think, well, Jason, I hope that, um, you know, where one leg is shorter than the other and you can't run as fast anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it has nothing to do with me anymore. Now I'm just hoping to damage him yeah. somehow. And that's how Satan works, and that's how sin works. It works towards the opposite of what God works in. Mm-hmm. God wants us to look at other people and, and think, how can I help you be the best you can be? So I need to look at Jason and not, not think, well, poor me. I need to look at Jason and say, what can I do to make Jason the best man, the best husband, the best person he can be? Now, all of a sudden, it's, I'm not prideful anymore because it's not about me. I can actually uh, you know, be a doormat if I need to be. Mm. And I've heard Christians say you should never be a doormat. I'm thinking maybe you should. <laughs> Young people, if you're listening tonight, I just want to really encourage you. God does have a plan for your life, and he's going to use you in ways that you wouldn't imagine. But the thing that will always hold you back, the things that will end up derailing you in your Christian walk will always be this element of pride. The longer that you live with pride in your heart, the longer that you live believing, I can do it myself. I don't need God to help me. The more painful it's going to be when you come to the realization that I can't do it. So we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk more from James and what he says about pride when we come back here on the show. Remember, you can chat with the live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Join the tweet back right now, hopenet360.com slash tweet back. We'll be back after this break here on Hopenet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Glad that you've joined us tonight. Remember, the tweet back is going on right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB or jump on over to hopenet360.com slash tweetback. You can join the tweet back there. And there's a little chat window you can use to tweet out at us and let us know your thoughts as you're listening to the show tonight. And the tweet back will go on until about 10 o'clock central time. Of course, anytime you tweet using the hashtag HNRTB, we'll see it anyway. We'd love to hear from you guys during the week, too. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast, catch all these episodes, and share them with your friends. I'm sure there's something that we say on this show that will stick with you and that you'll want to share with your friends so they can hear it and they can share with their friends. And, you know, it just multiplies that way. So we've been chatting about pride, guys, and I feel like it's important to share stories. Every single one of us has a story of where we've gone out and we've tried to do things on our own and sometimes we succeed and a lot of times we fail and i'll just i'll admit one of the hardest moments that i got to in my life and we were talking about when we were going through this 18 to 24 year old stage jason and and that transition for me it was a little bit tougher for me you know i grew up in the church i grew up uh my story is you know going to church all my life and finding christ when i was in eighth grade uh really making a decision for him at that point in my life and to follow him to serve him it wasn't long after that I knew that I was called into ministry, but yet graduating high school, I decided to go my own way and I decided to pursue um, something that I thought would at least pay the bills for a short time and head towards pharmacy. So I started working on science major sort of stuff, chem major stuff. And, and all this time in the back of my head, I knew I was going on something that I wasn't wired to do and what I was supposed to do. But I felt like I needed to do that and I needed to make a way and I needed to be successful in my own eyes and my family's lives. You know, I, you know, every, every person I told that I was going to school for pharmacy, they were like, oh, you know, and that's, it's a very, you know, kind of a prideful thing. People respond to those big dreams. Not that it was a bad decision at all. It was just, that wasn't what I was supposed to do. And I thought I knew better than what God was telling me to do. So I did that. And finally in about 2005, 2006, that was when I made a decision to 
shift course. And actually, I got to the point where we're going to talk more about this idea of being broken. But I got to that point where I had to realize that my way was not working and that it, it took me to actually be willing to admit that I had a problem. I was doing it the wrong way. I was not obeying God. So I shifted course. And that's when my life really changed. That's when a lot of things started to kind of fall into place. Not that my life got any easier, but the fact that I knew I was surrendered to God made it a lot easier to not feel like I was Oh, distant from God, you know, I, that I could actually feel like I was having an honest conversation with God for the first time in my life in, in those few years anyway. And uh, so that's really, that's my story of how it, how it kind of came through. And I know, Terry, you've been through some things. I'm sure Jason, Dave, we can all look back in our life and we can think, man, this is really where I tried to just lead out of my own, my own power and do it. And I just found out that it was just easier just to surrender to God and, and to just admit that I'm broken. Um, definitely. In, in working in ministry or as an advocate with a nonprofit or working in trafficking it, with such a sensitive and a difficult issue, I've just recently found out about something we call self-care. And that wasn't really ever talked about before I went into ministry. And I thought, well, why do I need care? I'm the one that's supposed to be helping other people. And now after I've been going through a trauma and had a traumatic experience happen in my own life, I realized how important that was. And I just, it's easy for people who are involved in ministry because you have people coming up to you telling you, wow, that's so great what you're doing and you're really helping people and that's awesome and good for you. And you start to get that in your head of, yeah, I'm helping people and yeah. I have all these great ideas about how I can help people. And and it started out that it was this whole calling was from God, but then all these other things came in and you, you kind of started, I started to feel like, well, this is this people are telling me I'm doing a good thing. I'm really doing a good thing. And then when things started to fall apart and I had gotten burned by somebody that I had trusted and I started to question God, I felt like God had mm-hmm. abandoned me and called me to do something. And then I felt like he abandoned me and I would be crying out to him and praying to him. And he just seemed so far off. And I felt like maybe he really didn't call me this. Maybe I was just completely wrong this whole time. But yet in that point of brokenness, I, I have looked back now and, and I God allowed me to experience that pain. He didn't remove that pain. But in that experience, I learned he showed me some of the areas in my life where I had gotten prideful. So brokenness can actually be a good thing. It can be the turning point. It can be what God uses to show us that there are areas in our life that we need to check. And in that way, he didn't abandon me. I felt like he did in that moment because he allowed me to experience pain. But now that I look back at it, I see that he didn't abandon me because if he would have really abandoned me, he would have let me continue to be that way. And he allowed me to go through this so that I could see what was wrong in my life and what needed to be changed. Yeah, I think a lot of times it takes us to get to that point of brokenness before we open up our senses and our and our reasoning to realize, all right, God, I can't do this. I've come to the point where all of my solutions aren't working. So what is it, God? You know, and I, I think that's a very biblical thing, you know, to get rid of our pride. We need to be humble. We need to be broken. I mean, you look at Psalm 34, uh, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, there's a sense of dependency, I think, that we develop once we get to that point in our lives where we've tried everything that we can. And some of us are stubborn enough, you know, myself included, that it'll take everything that we try until we get to that point of brokenness (laughs) and realize that, you know what, God, I need to depend on you. And it's through those moments then that he he helps us to grow and, and strengthen us. I mean, you look at uh, the Bible and you look at David. David was a king. He had, he had a lot of going after him. He, he was a man after God's own heart, but he screwed up. You know, he got prideful, uh, looked at Bathsheba and sinned. Uh, and he went on to, 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 to regret that and even to, to get up to a point of brokenness. And in Psalm, we read, you know, probably one of the most heartfelt Psalms where he says, you know what, God, create in me a clean heart and just renew a right spirit within me. And it's through those brokenness moments that really define who we are as Christians and gives us the motivation then to start living our lives for God. And so even thinking about my own life, it's the, the most impactful times in my life were the points where I was willing to say, you know what, God, what is it that, that you want to speak to me here? You know, I, I'm at a point where all of my solutions aren't working. And so I need to be dependent on you. And it's in those moments that then 
we're quiet enough to listen to God and to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to do it your way because it's in your way that I can be most satisfied and most full of joy. Whereas when we do it our way, we get so focused on me, myself, and I that we try to do it in my own timing, in my own way, to meet my own needs. And that goes back to the whole pride issue. Yeah. Jason, but, is there a time in your life where you can look back and where you have a story of just the times? You don't have to share maybe specifics, but yeah. have you had moments in your past where you can look back and think, man, I really <laughs> I really did not follow after God's plan there? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think all of us have, have varying stories. One of the ones that comes to mind is when I first went to Ireland, uh, I went over there for a few months and then I had to come back to get a visa to stay longer because of just the way that, that governments work and that sort of thing. And if you stay in a different country for a long extended time, you need permission to do that. But long story short is when I, was, I came back to the States to do that, I expected to be back in the States for about a month. And things went with the visa where I wasn't getting it month after month. You know, and I started getting frustrated, like, all right, God, you called me to do this, and yet you're stopping me from doing it. And I almost blame God for it as opposed to, to Sarah, God, is this really where you want me to? Um, and it was really a sense of pride. I almost idolized my ministry in Ireland, saying, you brought me to Ireland. I'm missing out on the opportunities that you have for mm-hmm. me there. And it, and it took a—and then you get to the point where you say things, but you don't necessarily mean it. And it probably took—I think I was back— eight months that time. And it was about the seventh month. I finally got to the point where I honestly said to God, you know what, God, if you don't want me to go back to Ireland, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to do whatever you want. And the ironic thing is that two days after that, my visa went through. <laughs> and it's just those, those moments where sometimes it's just, we go through things so that we reach that point of brokenness because that's when we fully put ourselves aside and start looking to God as opposed to ourselves. Jesus was known as a man of sorrows. And, and we're not going to go into that in great detail, but there's a reason why um, the one who did everything right was entitled a man of sorrows. Mm-hmm. And I think when he looked at a broken world, he was not afraid to say it's broken. Yeah. And it bothered him that it was broken. We need to be bothered that things are broken. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand when we do that, we're actually broken. And that's the first step to really being healthy in this life. It's so true. Guys, we're going to pick up this conversation when we come back here on the show. Remember, you can chat with the live coach if you're going through something and maybe this is bringing up some thoughts or maybe you're just realizing now I've really got a problem with pride. You can chat with the live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. Also, join the Tweetback, HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. We'll be right back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is Hope Net Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show, the show where conversations save lives. It's Hope Net Radio. Jeff and DW with you wrapping up the show. Tara Kay, lovely Tara Kay in studio with us, as well as Jason. Jason is... The lovely Jason. Yes, the lovely um, Jason. Indeed. He's looking beautiful yeah. tonight. Thank you. Not in a kilt. In sweatshirt. I hear and I sound like Tom Cruise. Yeah, rumor Tom has Cruise-ish. it you sound like Tom Cruise. Does he anybody does. else That's think he sounds like Tom Cruise? I'm not the one that said it, actually. I he have met like Tom Cruise. Rooney. I have met Tom Cruise, and he sounds like him. <laughs> Doesn't quite look like him, but he sounds like him. I sound like him, all right. Well, all right. let us know, HNRTV. <laughs> Tweet it if you think I sound like it. Yeah, we need, back Tom me who? up here, people. Tom Cruise. <laughs> 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 My wife didn't, didn't agree, but yeah. we'll see. Anyway, that's the stuff we talk about on the Hobbit Radio Tweetback. Use the hashtag HNRTB or just jump at, or just jump on HopeNet360.com slash Tweetback. We'd love for you to be a part of the conversation tonight. As we wrap up the show, we've been chatting about some of our own stories. We were talking about pride, and we are talking. We were sharing some vulnerable moments in our life where we all have made some errors in our way, and we've gone ahead of God, and we've tried to do things even in the right with the right intentions. I think a lot of people... Well, that'll wrestle with pride have the right intentions, but they just we just get ahead of God and what His plan is. And uh, Dave, what are your thoughts? Have you, do you have any stories in your past? I mean, I, yeah. I, you're you're such a perfect, calm, soft spoken kind of guy. I I can't see you making a mistake. I'm on medicine. I've, I'm on medicine. That helps. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but it, I am. I, I, narcoleptics, you know, I, and I do have narcolepsy, which is interesting. But yeah, in college, I went to Wheaton College, and if you know anything about colleges, Wheaton College is extremely competitive. If nothing else, um, you know, if you don't get straight A's there, you just feel bad about who you are. If you get an A minus, it's like you get, you know, you have to walk and get counseling and all kinds of stuff because it's just not good. Oh boy. And here I was my first two years. First and foremost, I got recruited for both swimming 
and football. And I chose football because it was easier to do and just more fun. And so I, I was playing football. And what happened is I could not get above a C for the life of me. It seemed, you know, I just, and everyone else, you know, they're getting, they're having these discussions in the dining hall about how terrible it was to get a, a, a 96 on their test. You know, I'm thinking, I would love a 96 on any test, on anything. And um, I remember I used to go out, and, and here I was, I was playing football, you're an athlete, you're, you know, you're in that in crowd, if you want to call it. And I remember sneaking out to the football field, sometimes at midnight or late at night, and sitting on the 50-yard line because I was comfortable there. And just crying. And just and here it was, a big football player, very tough guy, defensive tackle at that point for the Wheaton College uh, football team. And I would sit on the 50-yard lines and, and just cry. And the reason I was crying, and I was crying out to God, and I, and, I, and I honestly said this to him, did you create somebody to be dumb? I mean, really, is that my gift so that other people can be higher on the ladder than I am? And, and because I realize if there's a ladder, somebody has to be at the bottom. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's my gift. And I, and I can remember talking to God about that. Uh, and, and some might be thinking, How, you know, that's not a very cool conversation. But you know what I learned early? Conversations save lives, and it starts with God. Mm. And you go there, and, and I could talk to God about it in a place that I was comfortable. I was comfortable on the football field. And so I went there, and I prayed. Eventually, it went from talking to God about it to some upperclassmen that I trusted. And eventually, I got straight A's. You know, I mean, it's a matter of, of working things through and having conversations and humbling yourself. I needed to be able to come to people and not say to them, look, I am uh, in the game with you. I'm as smart as you. I know how to do all this academic stuff. I didn't. I came from a Chicago public school, and we didn't do that. I mean, we just didn't learn anything in my day. A lot of sports, and that's why I was there. And some people would look at me and say, well, you're not here for academics. You're here to play football. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, yeah, you know, and they just built a stereotype like that. And I thought... Okay, so football players are just dumb. You know, I mean, that's what we are. We're here is to, to beat each other up and be dumb. And, uh, and finally, because of my talking with God and my talking with some upperclassmen, that, and my brother was one of those upperclassmen, I was able to be guided and directed and eventually did just fine in school. And, and I think that that's what we have to do is we have to understand, let the moments that come to you, that bother you about you in those private moments, let them be, but take them to God right away and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then be looking for somebody that loves you and knows God that's older than you, that you can go tell them, this is what I'm thinking. And let them guide you from that point on. And, um, you know, start with God. And if you have no one to talk to tonight, go to HopeNet360.com and talk to a life coach there and get started in the process. But everybody that's listening can start with God. I mean, some of you that are listening don't have any hope because you're not even in God's family. Start with God. Talk to him about the fact that you know you're sinful, that you understand that you're separated from him. Realize that, that, that he's loved you enough to send his son Jesus to pay for your sins and, and to allow you to be in his family. You know, he tells us that in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And it starts right that day. You know, it, it starts with talking to God. And if you're not sure you're a part of God's family, I beg of you, go to HopeNet360.com, talk to a, a life coach now, and tell them, I am not shrimming God's family, and I want to be. And, and let's get that thing settled. And now you've got somebody to talk to 24-7, and then look for somebody else who loves God and talk with them and see if that doesn't start changing your world. It starts with brokenness, but it will end for those who love Jesus in victory. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about each of our stories as we shared is that the moment of change happened when we started having conversations. Yeah. You know, for each of us, we had that conversation with God first and foremost. And from there, it was a springboard into changing our lives. And that's why we want to stress conversations, because they do change lives and they do save lives. Isn't that right, Jeff? It is. It is very true. You said it well, Jason. You know, if you're struggling with pride tonight, I want you to know that there is hope for you. And sometimes it takes an outsider to come in and say, you know, where you're going, the path you're on right now is going to lead to brokenness. It's going to lead to despair. It's going to lead to disappointment and, and overall just hopelessness and feeling like, there is no hope left. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you've been going through life and you're thinking, man, I'm just, I'm the, I'm that macho sheep, man. I can just do this in my own power. And I got this. It's okay. I don't need God at this point. I'll use God when I need him, you know, as kind of a medication to get better soon, you know, kind of a thing. And I just want to encourage you. God is more than just that. That is not, I mean, God will save you from a pit. I mean, he's able to do anything, 
But you know what he wants more than just to be your rescuer in your time of need? He wants to be your Lord, your Savior. He wants to be that father that maybe you never had in your life. He wants to be that friend that you need to go to to talk to about some really important stuff. He wants to be your everything. He wants to. He wants a relationship with you is what he wants. And so I just encourage you, find out what that means. Go to HopeNet360.com, chat with the live coach right now, and talk to them about what it means to have a relationship with God more than just a rescuer in your time of need. So I just encourage you with that. Remember, at the end of this month, we have a really awesome retreat coming up. Back to the Word Retreat is coming October 31st through November 2nd. And you can find details right now on this weekend at HopeNet360.com under the Events tab. I just encourage you to be a part of it. Come and meet Dave, myself, Jason, Tara's going to be there. We're going to have this great weekend. It's going to be a fun time up at Silver Birch Ranch in northern Wisconsin. You get a really great rate for being a HopeNet360 yep. listener. It's only 100 bucks for the entire We want to meet weekend, you. So. We want to meet you. Come on Actually, up. Come on up. It'll be yeah, fun. We totally want to meet you so check that out more at hopenet360.com it's gonna wear a kilt <laughs> i'm not wearing a kilt come on and get the Dave people there they'll come don't give me a, a peep and i'm not wearing a kilt <laughs> but i will say hi to and you. you will put on a puppet show all right and also maybe also this week only so if you're listening on the podcast and it's later on this wednesday october 8th Fields of Faith is happening all across the country and here in the Green Bay area. I'll be speaking at Southwest High School, and you can check out that information as well at fieldsoffaith.com or on our website, hopenet360.com. So download the podcast on iTunes or on our website again, hopenet360.com. I feel like I've said that a million times, guys. But anyway, thanks so much for being a part of the show tonight. For Dave, Jason, Tara, I'm Jeff saying so long. We'll see you guys online and next week. 